Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, we're doing something a little different. I usually interview reporters and editors from our newsrooms, plus our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, for economic news. Going forward, I'm also going to be doing occasional interviews with industry leaders to talk about specific issues in the news. Today, my guest is Keenan Chen, Executive Vice President of Corporate Strategy at Clear Capital, which is a real estate appraisal technology company. We're going to talk about the 2022 appraisal survey from the National Association of Realtors. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO the wholesale lending partner with the support you want and the stability you need in today's market. No one is more committed to the TPO channel, and it's why at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Keenan, welcome to Housing Wire Daily. Hey, thanks for having me, Sarah. Really great to to have you on here. I have been on your podcast, so it's just, you know, turnabout is fair play, but I really am uh, very excited to have you on. We're doing this during HW Annual, and, um, you know, really happy to have you uh, here as we're both at this conference and have some interesting things to talk about. I really wanted to talk about the National Association of Realtors 2022 Appraisal Survey which they just released because I felt like it had a lot of um, really interesting things to say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good timing for this, right. Coming out of um, sort of a, a past couple record years of, of volume. And so, you know, hearing what everyone's experiences have been over the past couple of years, as we're in a shifting market, um, it seems like yeah, good timing to take a look at this. I agree. So um, this survey was done in May and the NAR research conducted it. It's, it's a survey of all 9,700 appraiser members that are members of NAR, and then just 50,000 randomly selected non-appraiser members. And I think that what struck me about this was the difference in perception and also just, you know, what, what their thoughts are between like the larger group, which uh, included appraisers and non-appraisers, and then when you just broke it down into appraisers. So one of the things that struck me there was, um, let's talk about, you know, the fact that um, one of the issues identified in the survey was like turn times. And of course, this was when we had so much volume. Turn times were one of the biggest challenges. And I think one of the things that was interesting is when they asked people, you know, well, what are some of the solutions to this uh, challenge of, of really long turn times uh, for appraisals? We got really different answers when it was all respondents versus the breaking out the appraiser part of that. Um, so let's talk about that. Yeah, that's a, that sounds good. <laughs> it, it, that was a little bit of a of a uh, pain point last year, I would say. Turn times. <laughs> I, I would say so, right? Um, and you know, I I do think that is a pain point at a touch point for the borrowers, so that I feel like you know it's sort of magnified because in the whole you know transaction process of, of buying a home, their appraisal is one of the things that people get most anxious about. And therefore, you know, this, this pain point is affecting the real estate agent, it's affecting the lender, it's affecting the borrower. So everybody is very familiar with, <laughs> with this one and, you know, kind of feels the effects of it. Um, 
I thought was was really interesting is they asked um, the respondents to rank things, you know, between one and eight, and and there's all this methodology. But one of the things they said was like, well, okay, well, what are the possible ways of addressing, you know, delays in completing appraisals? And that's where we see a pretty big difference between the larger group, which is mostly not appraisers, and then appraisers. And so the first thing I would say is that hybrid appraisals. It was the biggest way that they that um, the non-appraisal group felt like, or the group that had everybody felt like, you know, was an answer here. Hybrid appraisals, twenty percent of the larger group was like, this is the best way to solve that. Um, and then when you go down into the appraiser part of that, uh, hybrid appraisals are dead last. Uh, they, you know, appraisers did not think that that was the best way to solve appraisal turn time. So I'd love to talk to you as someone who, you know, you work for DMC, you work with appraisers all the time. What do you think the difference is there? Yeah, well, the, the first thing I, I noticed in the survey was that um, almost half of the appraisers surveyed, 46%, um, said that they don't feel there, there are delays in their market. And, and so I thought, you know, just starting out right there, you know, half of the almost half the respondents saying that they don't think delays are an issue. Now, this survey was done in May of this year. Um, uh, so, you know, by by May, obviously, things had already changed you know, quite a bit. Refis had already um, really started to, to, to dry up uh, as rates started to increase. But but right there, I think, you know, that kind of sets the tone. You know, some people haven't didn't feel that there's a delay. But I, I think when you look at it from the non-appraiser perspective, um, either, you know, uh, uh, real estate agents, you know, and trying to ensure that their their deals are competitive and close on time, or certainly, you know, um, lenders as well under incredible pressure to be competitive um, and provide certainty as early as possible to, to borrowers. I think that's where the, the disconnect is. Um, lenders and, and real estate agents are looking for not just how do we get to status quo, but but how do we make it better? How do we create a different experience? Um, and I, so I, I feel like that bar is being set a bit higher um, than um, uh, fr- from that perspective because they're driving you know for the consumer's experience. And, and, and so that's why hybrid appraisals, you know, are one of the talking points, of course, that the GSEs have been, you know, really talking about, um, you know, increasing the, the capacity and, and the workforce by having a non-appraiser workforce be able to go out to the, to the property and, and do the, the data collection. Um, that message, I think, has gone home, um, you know, a bit more with, with lenders and, and, and realtors and, and appraisers maybe haven't experienced that in their local markets yet. Um, because it's it's not you know fully policy. Well, let's let's uh, first define that a little bit because I know that you know some parts of our audience will be really familiar with this, but I, I do know that hybrid versus desktop those are two different things. So could you just kind of give us the the difference there? Sure. So um, so so desktop appraisals you know went into um, uh, the the selling guide for for both GSEs for Fannie Mae and for Freddie Mac in March of, of 2022. So again, thinking about when the survey was done in May, you know, a couple months later, you know, desktop appraisals had just gone in, into the selling guide and a desktop appraisal, um, the appraiser is able to, you know, rely on already existing data, uh, to complete, um, the, the appraisal. And in fact, there's, um, uh, there's language, you know, within the appraisal form that, that actually, um, 
makes it clear that they did not visit the property. They did not inspect the property. And, and so you're using existing data like from MLS, from public records, um, uh, you know, digital data to complete that. Whereas um, a hybrid appraisal is sending someone to the property to gather you know, data right now about the property, but you're not sending the appraiser, you're sending a non-appraiser to just gather the data. And then I, I always describe it as they're bringing the home to the appraiser instead of sending the appraiser to the home. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like even in the survey, I, I think the average miles, uh, miles radius that appraiser said they were working in was about 40 miles, you know, radius. So um, you think about the difference between someone, you know, driving a 40 mile radius, perhaps spending up to, you know, at least the time studies we've done, spending up to 40 hours a month in the car, just driving around, as opposed to someone else going to the property, collecting the data in a digital way, bringing it back to them. Um, you know, we've seen appraisers be able to do up to, you know, four times as many appraisals um, if they're staying in the flow, you know, at their desk with data being brought to them. That is really interesting. And, you know, when we talked about, you know, addressing the current delays, like I said, hybrid and desktop were both um, rated pretty highly when you looked at all respondents, but were not popular with appraisers. So with appraisers, both desktop and hybrid were at the bottom. Um, and, you know, one part of this, uh, another part of the survey might shed some light on that because when they asked about, you know, were they comfortable, um, comfort with valuation tools when they asked appraisers, um, desktop appraisals, 63%, they were very uncomfortable with them. So what do you think that means? Like that they don't think they're accurate, that they don't want to do them? Like, what do you think that means? Well, it, 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 it totally makes sense, right? That when, you know, appraiser is, is, is signing on that appraisal and they're, they're, they're legally responsible, right? For the, um, the, the, the facts in that, in that report. That if, if you don't trust the data source or you're not, you know, comfortable yet with how that data is being obtained, um, and you're not the one gathering it yourself, it, it makes sense that there will be some discomfort on signing off on something that you're uh, a process that you're not yet fully, um, you know, uh, up to speed on. And, and that's why I kind of love where the, where the industry is going a bit here, which is, um, you know, when you think about today, appraisers relying on, you know, MLS, you know, relying on what's been put into the listing, again, by an interested party, um, they rely upon what's in, in public records, um, which is often, you know, um, done not by visiting the home, but um, by using other sort of, you know, methods to, you know, enter in data about the home and the characteristics. These are all widely accepted data sources, you know, today. So if we're able to make those data sources better and we're able to use technology to ensure that those data, data sources actually have more rigor, that MLS listings have even more rigor, again, by using technology, and, and that same technology is available to appraisers to utilize themselves, you know, they, they, can, they can try it out themselves. Um, th this idea of making it more democratized and standard, I think, can take us a long way to removing some of those, those uncomfortable um, um, feelings that are there today with just switching to a, a desktop appraisal. That's just such a good point. Um, so I was at Valuation Expo recently and um, got to hear executive from your company and other executives kind of weigh in on, on this and just heard from a ton of appraisers as well. And that fear of that third party 
data collection was real. And, and to your point, there's just such a lack of trust. One of the things that a lot of appraisers brought up in a session where we were talking about challenges was, you know, I don't know who that is. I don't know who is being contracted to do that. And yet I'm still having to sign and say that, yes, that's, you know, that's accurate. So I think that that finding a trusted source, figuring out how we can connect the dots there is really important. Yeah, I, I think that's why national standards are, are are so important right now, right? It's not just about the technology. It's it's that technology that's developed, you know, regardless of who's developing it, understands what the what the rules are, what what are the what are the expectations for um, how that data is 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 enumerated and, and captured. You know, I thought Fannie Mae took a pretty bold step at the same time that desktop appraisals were uh, went to policy earlier this year. Um, they also, you know, required the um, the ANSI standard for gross living area measurement of a property. That's a pretty bold step. But when you when you think about the idea that different appraisers in different markets could be measuring the properties differently, um, yeah, that would make me uncomfortable too. When I don't really know how someone came up with the square footage that I'm relying upon, and so by having a national standard and then seeing that technology creators and and innovators are utilizing that standard to me that should help with some of those concerns um, that regardless of what market you're you're in that when you rely upon the data you're like okay at least know what they had to adhere to um, to create this we've got to move more towards that um, and and ensure that we have less you know subjectivity in fields um, in, in in data fields that really should be more precise and consistent across every market. You know, improving the MLS data really does make sense in this capacity because that's something that we all already see, right? And um, so just improving on that, I think is interesting. And that's one of the things that when they asked appraisers to fill in, so not, not the autofill, but like what are some other ways that we can, you know, improve the, you know, address appraisal delays, they talked about, you know, that there are ways to do that by just making the MLS data, which they already use in some ways and some of that information, making it more robust. Yeah. And, and again, I think, that, you know, on, on the survey, there is, is interesting for the, the non-appraiser respondents, there was, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, sir, I think it was you know, the third, it was either the second or third highest idea for for solving the challenges was to use some sort of digital capture or 3d technology you know to capture the home and that's great for improving the appraisal process but i would say like why would we wait till the appraisal process to capture the home in a digital format that should be part of the very first data that's going in about that property into the into the mls you know the 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 listing itself as much as possible should come from uh, standardized you know, digitized um, processes so that everyone involved in the transaction from the, 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 the seller knowing what it is that they're, you know, that's being put on, on the market about their home, um, the, the potential buyer, um, the, the, the appraiser involved, the, the lenders, everyone down the line should be able to rely upon a trusted data set um, and, and be able to see that data as it was, gathered at the property. I, I think we need to move beyond this idea of it's okay to have a clipboard and have right, just, you know, scratch out some, some on paper notes about the property and then only bring a small part of what was observed into the process. The whole home should be captured as much as possible in a standardized way. 
That is definitely one of the sentiments you get from the survey. So um, when they list out, here's some of the things that people did when they were able to fill it out. It was like, make listing brokers accountable for entering accurate information on MLS listings. This is exactly your point, but how do you make a listings agent accountable? Like who would be doing that accountability? I think that's the interesting thing is the appraisal process, the lending process is sort of different than the people who, you know, are doing the listings and I mean, they just have different expectations there. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer it to be, you know, maybe I'm thinking a little bit too utopian, but I would, I would prefer it to be a a benefit, right? Uh, So that um, it would actually be an enablement tool for people to focus on what people do best, which is all of the relationship and, and uh, you know, nuanced emotional issues that come with the home buying process. But things like data gathering, right, would be, um, you know, facilitated by, you know, by technology that's super easy to use. Um, you know, I, I think that um, you should be able to capture a home within a few minutes um, as opposed to hours, right? And and that anyone should be able to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone wants to spend the time to do that, or but, but it should be accessible to more people um, to do so that it you know, whether you're the home owner, you know, on the seller or whether you're the, the, the agent, um, everyone should kind of know how to quickly get that, that, um, you know, get the property into a digital format. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, in, in the current market we're in with, um, so much home equity, you know, tappable home equity available, um, um, for, for, uh, for, for homeowners today. Um, to me, this applies to homeowners too trying to make a decision about, you know, how is my home seen? I actually would have put my home into my digital wallet, if you will, um, so that I can use that for understanding what my home improvement process is going to look like, what my, um, you know, uh, potential, you know, perhaps, you know, home equity line of credit or, or things like that. It's, it's like bringing your FICO score with you. You should be bringing your home with you too, in a way that's easily understood. I love that idea. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's figure out how to do that. <laughs> okay, let's do no it. No problem. We can we can solve this problem right now. You know, one of the one of the challenges that appraisers uh, noted was just the you know the part that AMCs play in the process. So you know they would note that that's to them a big part. At the same time, I thought it was interesting that they answered the question when it was broken out just for appraisers. Do you feel you are fairly compensated for each appraisal? You had the, you know, you had more than fifty percent. Fifty four percent said yes. Seven um, percent didn't know, so that left forty percent that said no. So I mean, forty percent is large, but I think um, I would have expected that to be larger when you think about uh, maybe some of the loudest voices in appraisers or are just saying like, you know, we're not getting paid fairly or whatever. So you work at an AMC and a, and a technology company. Tell me uh, about what you think about that split between fifty four percent and forty percent. Yeah, well, certainly over the past, you know, couple of years has been, you know, we've seen some of the, um, you know, some of the highest fees, you know, um, uh, that have been, been paid out in, in a while, partly to overcome the the shortage of, of capacity. Um, and we saw fees, you know, increase, you know, quite a bit. But I, I, I think that it's, you know, there's multiple issues here as to why I think AMCs are seen as a, um, as a barrier to appraisers. 
you know, one of which is, is communication, right? The idea of having someone really in between you and your client is, is difficult, but not all AMCs are, are the same in, in their approach. You know, we don't view ourselves as an AMC. We have an AMC, but we view ourselves as a, as a technology company, as an innovator that is, that is involved in appraisal so that we can, um, uh, uh transform the way it is now into uh, a process that works better for everyone. And, um, appraisers included. And so, so what that means is, is that, you know, f- for us, we are, are constantly, you know, investing in, in technology that will, um, you know, make the process more accurate, more fair, more equitable, um, and, um, and, and work for ultimately, right, for our, what should be our number one customer we're thinking about, which is, uh, the the person trying to buy the home or, or the homeowner trying to understand when to refinance um, uh, that's who we kind of have in, in in mind there um, and so th- the only way this moves forward from where it is now as opposed to looking similar unfortunately today the appraisal process looks very similar to what it looked like 30 years ago is by um, investing in technology and having that be part of the of, of the process um, you know, that's, it's very difficult to move the ball forward if there's only individual people involved in it without the tools and, and resources to, um, to, to reimagine it and think differently about it. So, um, we don't see ourselves just as, as an intermediary. We see ourselves as being involved in trying to transform the process for what it needs to be in the future for all, for all types of borrowers in every community. I think this mirrors what some other parts of the um, real estate transaction are going through when, when you think about what's disruptive versus, you know, what was disruptive or what we thought was going to be disruptive five years ago versus now I was just listening to um, one of the panels at, at housing wire annual. And we had Mark King, who's the president of Keller Williams, Nick Bailey, the president and CEO of Remax and Josh Harley, the founder and CEO of Fathom Holdings talking about, you know, the Am- building the Amazon of real estate. And they all said, you know, like uh, what used to be the common line was like, we're going to disrupt you and agents are going to be gone. You know, the technology is going to take over agents. And they're like, you don't hear that anymore. Really, it's um, the technology companies these days are coming to the real estate companies and really wanting to work together because what we found is that consumers wanted that person. And I think in appraisals in the same way, I think there's less the idea of like, there's not going to be any appraisers. I think it's more like, how do we use the technology to make the appraisers to really uh, tap into the expertise and knowledge they have so that they're not spending their whole, whole day driving around, right. That, that waste of time and the fact that it, it, you know, lengthens the time to get an appraisal back and, and just the wear and tear on an appraiser. Like that's what the focus seems to be now to me. I'd love to get your opinion on that. Like, do you feel like there's still this idea of disrupting appraisers that disrupting appraisals that takes the appraiser completely out of the picture? I mean, there might still be some companies that are, you know, thinking that way or, or using that type of language. You know, we've we've never used that that language, and and that's certainly not our our mindset. We we um we would rather be an, an enabler as opposed to a disruptor. You know, we 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 think of it as um you know uh, bring the best of technology and data together with the best of human expertise. And, and, and if you can bring those together in an effective way, you can have, um, or you can enable more, more trusted and confident decisions. 
Um, and, and so there's, you know, to me, it all starts with the foundation of, of really solid data and of moving us more from an, an analog process to a digital process as early in the process as possible. Um, so that you can, you, you can put great data in, in, in front of people that, uh, that know how to do, um, analysis, um, at, you know, at, at the right time. I mean, t- technology is great at that, right? At, at, at helping us be, um, better at being more of an exception process so that you can bring the right expertise in as you have more complex situations. So, you know, again, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have already been leading this way where they've been using this kind of combination of technology to help build more of a risk-based spectrum of options, you know, when it comes to appraisal. And, um, and, and that's where I think it's, it's going, you know, it's not going to be this binary approach of, of all technology or all human-based there's going to be a, a continuum there, um, which means that we have to be one of the companies that helps bridge the gap between where things are now and, and where, where they're headed. Not to disrupt people, but hopefully to bring people along on this, on this journey. Um, you know, we, we, we see it as how do, we, um, how do we help people go about their lives in, in, in a better way because technologies there to help them focus on the things that, that really need that human expertise. I also think that, um, yes, the volume is down this year, but we're also about to see the exodus of quite a few appraisers in the next couple of years, right? If you just look at the number of appraisers approaching retirement age or at retirement age, who have also said, um, have also indicated that they, they want to leave their pr- profession. I mean, if we don't have either a very robust pipeline of people I mean, there has to be some reckoning there of like, we, we have to figure out how to do this with more technology and less people. Even if we just, <laughs> even if we want to keep appraisers exactly the same as they are today, there's just going to be less of them. Yeah, there was definitely in, in the survey, a response from a, appraiser um, members of, of NAR, a, a desire to see more education, to see more people coming into the profession. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely there. Um, and and I agree that that we we need to be wor- you know working now on um, ways for younger participants to come into the industry for you know college students to see this as a career, but also understand what this role will look like into the into the future. Right? We have to um, uh, um, paint a picture that goes beyond what the next couple of years looks like. But what does this look like over the next ten years? And then how do we um, give people the right skills? You know. To, to navigate the, the change, you know, from now to, to then. And, and one of those, just like in every other profession is how do you embrace technology in, in, in a way that, that, um, lets you be more effective at your, at, at your job. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not much for just, you know, resistance for the sake of resistance. I mean, we should all be looking for ways to say yes. Um, but, but yes, in a way that keeps people in, in, in mind. Wow. That's, that's a really great point. Um, one of the other things, and, and this is one of the last things we'll talk about that the survey looked at was, you know, talking about, um, bias or discrimination and asking the, um, survey respondents, had they seen it, had they received, had they been on the receiving end of, um, 
you know, bias or discrimination based on a lot of things. Um, and race definitely came up there. So I thought that was interesting to look at. Um, only 3% of members overall. So when you took the whole, the 50,000 non-appraisals, appraisers, and then the 9,700 appraisers, only 3% overall reported witnessing or experiencing discrimination in an appraisal, but most likely based on race or color. Um, it was about 2% each. Um, so I think that that was interesting because this is a, a situation that we've been talking about that the government's clearly focusing on. And it's just been one that's been really hard to wrap our arms around. I think it's also, you know, just from, from my perspective, um, I think that it's hard sometimes for people to feel like um, they've seen it if they, if it's unconscious bias. And so I, I'd love to get your take on that. Well, well, certainly um, uh, this is, you know, this is remains a, a issue at the, the forefront, you know, of, of, of appraisal, um, uh, there, there, there remains all the way up to, you know, the, uh, to, to the white house with the, with the paved task force, you know, um, a, a sort of front and center, you know, issue. Um, there's, there's a couple of, of things that I think are important when you look at the difference between, um, I think what some, um, some people in the, in the public are seeing and concerned about versus what, how, what appraisers are seeing and trying to do their, their job. You know, we definitely believe that uh, appraisers are trained to be non, non-biased, that, that most appraisers are, um, take it very seriously. Um, um, and, uh, and, you know, b- believe certainly they're doing all the things that they can do to try to avoid, you know, bias within you know, their, their approach. But one of the things that stands out from this survey that I think is, you know, it hits at, um, you know, the, 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 the concerns here is that one of the statements here is that it says appraisers are, t- are far too opinion-based and not fact-based. And, and when you think about, you know, the idea of h- how do we trust, you know, this process, is it credible? Um, that's more where I think a lot of the solutions are really going to start focusing in on is how do we remove uh, some of the su- subjectivity from the process and make it more fact-based? How do we know that what was captured about the home is being re- represented properly? And then how do we know that the, the process, um, but, you know, by which someone arrives at a value, you know, really, really holds up. And, um, you know, and then I, I think, I think the other piece that, that is really being looked at is, um, is what the appraiser profession, you know, looks like, you know, does it reflect the communities in which it, it serves? Um, we, we have a huge lack of diversity within the appraisal profession. You know, we're still at 97% white and 70% uh, men in, in, in the profession. And, and I think that credibility, you know, showing that this profession is a profession that, that actually does represent, you know, housing represent, um, represents, um, what our communities look like across the country is, is something we need to tackle so that, um, uh, we can, we can have more trust in the process. And so, and, and, and then we can dig in and make the, the, the data itself again, more fact-based and less subjective. So uh, th- th- that just makes a better system for everyone, um, regardless of, of, of race or other, any other demographic, but, but yes, we, we have to just hit these things head on. And not in a defensive way, but in a way that says, how can we make it better? Yeah, to that point, because I know that there are uh, programs that different 
uh, companies are doing and overall that the appraisal industry is trying to do to reach out to uh, a more diverse group of people to bring them into the profession. And sadly, one of the things that when they were asked to describe bias or discrimination, you did have people who were appraisers who described being discriminated against because they were because of their race or because of their gender. So, you know, this is a typically male profession. It's a typically white profession, as the stats you just said. And so um, that's that's also a part of this, right? Like if if it's an unwelcome place for people, diverse people to come, that's just going to make it even more difficult. And I agree with you. It's like it, if we could just get to more standardization, if we could just get to more, um, you know, true value based on some things that we could all agree upon make this so much better. But, you know, obviously every, every property and what appraisers would tell you is like every property is different really and truly, even within a, you know, a pretty homogenous um, subdivision, every property has some different characteristics. So I know that that's the challenge here. Yes. But that's also the incredible capabilities we have now with, with technology um, to deal with complex problems. Like we never had 30 years ago. You know, the, the tools we have to address things like that are very different now than, than before. Properties haven't changed, but our, but our ability, you know, um, uh, you know in, in large part, but the ability we have to, to look at complex data structures and data, you know, relationships now um, uh, with machine learning and AI and, and the computing power we have now is, is light years away from where we were, um, um, you know, even a couple decades ago. Um, but, but I think when it comes to this idea of everything's always needs to be unique and different, um, that shouldn't apply to things like, for instance, you know, reconsideration of value, like that process, you know, that was in this report too, that, that, um, uh, you know, a large percentage, I forget the number that's in here, but, you know, weren't aware of any standard process for a borrower, you know, trying to understand their, um, appraise value, you know, better. And, and certainly for someone to raise their hand and say, I don't feel like I'm being fairly treated here. What's my process that I need to go through to, to, to ensure that. And, um, you know, I know, you know, PAVE is tackling this process, the PAVE task force. Um, you know, we've certainly made recommendations here, but there needs to be a standardized, um, reconsideration of value process on a national level so that borrowers, you know, get a, a, a fair shot at understanding um, uh, uh, their options when it comes to to appraise values. I think that was one thing that really struck me at the Valuation Expo conference was the confusion and also complete um, randomness of the reconsideration process based on you know the location, based on the lender, based on it was not clear to anybody, even um, some of the people involved in that, you know exactly what the standards are. And, and you see that in the in this survey where when they asked non appraiser members. Um, would a reconsideration of value process like this be helpful if it were put in place at the national level? And you had 65% of non-appraiser members um, say, yes, that, that would be very helpful. Only 5% said no, and 30% just didn't know. So I think that there's a huge opportunity there because when it's not standardized, I think that actually makes it more confusing for everyone involved, including the borrower, the lender, the appraiser, the AMC, if they're involved, like it, it doesn't help anyone if there's a very confusing reconsideration of value. And the fact that you had this many respondents who are real estate professionals not really understand what it what it was or um, what they were aware of in their area just shows you that this is something that, that could be addressed. I found that was very encouraging to see that sort of overwhelming response to say, 
this would be we be helpful, which which also means right that that's there's that many people saying there isn't one today. So it, it also it, it confirms that we have a, a problem, but it sounds like there's a lot of great um, momentum around you know people wanting to see that in place. So um, yeah, I, I, I found that very encouraging. Well, Keenan, I so appreciate having you on and, um, you know, sharing some of your insights um, on this really important topic that continues to make news and be really important to our audience. So I just want to say thank you so much for being on Housing Wire Daily. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.